Let's all stand. Psalm chapter 66, and we're going to read the first 12 verses today. Psalm 66 and verse number one. The Bible says, make a joyful noise all, unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say unto God, how terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee and they shall sing to thy name. Selah, that word selah in the Psalms. Don't let that throw you. It's just a little pause. It's a rest of sorts. We know that at one time the Psalms were, were put to music. It was the, he, the Hebrew songbook, if you will. And when you see that word selah, it is a musical rest. It's a pause. But it also says this. It says stop and reflect on what you just read. That's what the psalmist is saying. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name. Selah, come and, and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. And then that, there's that word again, Selah. Oh, bless our God, ye people. And make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver's tried Thou broughtest us into the net. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. And thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. And you may be seated this morning. And just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about this subject. The great God of difficulty. Is that an oxymoron, maybe? Some would say, preacher, how can he be great if he's difficult. And I purposely, I purposely titled the message that the great God, because I promise you something, he is great. Amen. He is great. But he's also the great God of difficulty. We get that question a lot. Preacher, if God is so good, why does God allow bad things? So we're going to answer that question this morning. And so I want you to hang in there tight with me today. And uh, we, we usually try to end the service right around 1230 if possible. So don't get worried about the time. Um, but, we're gonna, but we're also going to try to follow the Lord today and see what God wants us to do. But we'll do our best to get you out of here at a good time today. Let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, thank you for the wonderful spirit of worship that's here today. It started in Sunday school. Lord, that spirit was here this morning. And then, Lord, it just carried right over into the 11 o'clock service. And we thank you so much for your precious Holy Spirit that's very evident that he's here today. Father, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together now as we learn what I believe is a, 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 a wonderful and a transforming, a life-changing truth. I really believe it is. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll bless our discussion. And I pray all that's done would uplift the name of Jesus. And I pray that he would be exalted and and as Brother Brandon prayed just a moment ago, I pray that, that, that he would be the one that we would focus our attention on. May he get all the praise and the glory from all that's done 
And Lord, as we close the prayer, if there's one in this crowd or one watching by way of the live stream and they don't know Christ as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray today, July the 25th, 2021, I pray today would be the day that they would come to know Christ. Encourage that one that's discouraged. I believe you're about to do that. And I pray that you would edify the saints today. We love you and praise you. And we ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Most of you know that God used David to pen a large portion of the book of Psalms. But it's believed that Psalm 66 was penned by King Hezekiah. That Hezekiah was used of the Lord to write the 66th Psalm, which by the way, after you read it and put it in its context, it makes perfect sense. Remember the story where I believe it's 2 Samuel chapter 20, don't hold me to that, but I believe that's, I believe that's right. The Bible says that God sent Isaiah the prophet to, to uh, speak to King Hezekiah, and this was his message to the king, set your house in order because you're gonna die. That was his message. It wasn't flowery, it wasn't pretty, it was just very pointed. It was what we call porcupine preaching. It's where the preacher preaches and the people get the point, you know. And, and that's, that was the message that God sent Isaiah in to the king. He said, king, set your house in order. Get things in order because God said, you're gonna die. And our Bible tells us that Hezekiah turns his face to the wall. I don't believe Hezekiah had the strength to get out of bed. I don't believe that he could run to the doctor but our Bible tells us that Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and he begins to pour his heart out to God. And our Bible tells us that before Isaiah is literally out of the neighborhood, before he's out of the palace, the Bible says that the word of the Lord comes back to the prophet and he says, turn around and go back and speak to the king again with a reprieve. I've heard your prayer and I'm gonna give you 15 more years. Now, when you understand that's going on possibly behind the Psalms, what makes this Psalm really come to life? Because here the psalmist is, in this case, Hezekiah, and he's lauding the, the Lord with praise. He's talking about how great God is. You'll notice in verses one and two, he mentions that we should sing about the Lord. Look at verse one and two. Uh, he says this, make a joyful noise unto God. By the way, isn't that a blessing? Because some of you can't sing like these folks that sang this morning. And you say, Pastor, I can't sing. I can't carry a tune uh, in a bucket. Well, let me ask you this. Can you make a joyful noise? <laughs> you say, I can do that. Well, praise the Lord, there's hope. Amen. And he says, make a joyful noise. If you can't sing, if you can't carry a note, make a joyful noise uh, unto God, all ye lands. In verse two, he says, sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. You say, what in the world is going on this morning? That's what they're doing. Amen. They were making his praise glorious. And because of that, it was speaking to hearts. And that's why folks were responding to an altar before the invitation time. And so the psalmist says it's important that we sing about the Lord. But then he says this. He, he mentions in verse number three that we should speak to the Lord. Look at verse three. Hezekiah says, say unto God. <laughs> now, if you want to say it to other folks, that's fine too. But he says, say unto God. How terrible art thou in thy works, exclamation point. Notice that, there's some passion there. 
He said, through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. And so again, I want you to follow me here. This morning, he mentions that we should sing about the Lord. And then he mentions that we, should, uh, that we should speak to the Lord. And then I notice this. He mentions that we should see the Lord in verses five, and, uh, verses five through seven. Notice what he says in verse five. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. He ruleth by his power forever. His eyes behold the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. In other words, this is what Hezekiah is saying. Make sure that you pay attention to his blessings. Hey, Calvary, make sure that you don't ever become familiar with the blessings of God. Let me t- let, listen, let me tell you the danger in a church like this. The danger is to see the blessing of God and see people being saved. We have, praise the Lord, in the last little bit especially, so many folks coming to Christ and new families joining and people being baptized and and just a spirit of revival. Now, the danger is this, that you get used to it. The danger is you walk in and think, oh, well, just another service. Oh, no, no. And that's why Hezekiah is saying, man, listen, you need to make sure that you see the blessings of the Lord. Don't miss what God is doing. Someone said that familiarity always breeds contempt. And that can happen in a church. When you walk in a church like this and things are happening, God is blessing. The fire of God is there. If we're not careful, we can become accustomed to the blessing of God. And we begin to take it for granted. And so the psalmist says, man, make sure that you don't do that. Make sure that you sing about the Lord. Make sure that you speak to the Lord. When's the last time you'd have said to him, you're wonderful? I mean, when's the last time you spoke to him and just said, you're amazing? And you are so awesome. You are almighty. You're the beginning and the ending. The bright morning star. You're a blessing. You're my counselor, my convictor, my companion. You're Christ, the son of the living God. You're deity. You're divine. You're determined. You're dedicated. You're eternal. You're exquisite. You're everlasting. You're the giver of everlasting life. You're faithful. You're a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. You're forever. You're fantastic. Hey, you're good and you're great and you're glorious and you're God and you're generous and you're giving and you're gracious. You're holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come, but you're infinite and you're inexhaustible and you're indescribable and you're immutable and you're just and Jesus is the Son of God. And this is what I'm saying. When's the last time that that you just got with him and you just spoke to him and just said you're, all, you're great I love you that's what the psalmist is saying that we ought to sing about the Lord that we ought to speak to the Lord that we ought to make sure that we see the Lord and then we notice in Psalm 66 that the psalmist he just breaks out into praise I mean he just begins to worship look at your Bible Psalm 66 and verse number 8 and, and Hezekiah says in verse number eight, oh, bless our God 
ye people, and make the voice of his praise to be heard, which holdeth our soul in life, and suffereth not our feet to be moved. For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us, as silver is tried. And so, again, I want you to understand that Hezekiah has just came through a major battle in his life, a major valley, a major storm. And here in Psalm chapter 66, uh, Hezekiah is just glorifying the Lord and praising God. But I want to draw your attention to another verse. I want you to look at verse number 11. And I am particularly interested in verse number 11. Right in the middle of this praise session, oh, church, follow me now, follow me. Right in the middle of this praise session, in verse number 11, the psalmist says, thou brought us into the net. Thou latest affliction upon our loins. You know what Hezekiah is saying? We were caught up in a net. By the way, that, that net speaks of bondage. A net speaks of being trapped. You know, you, some of you fellas, you know what it is to, to fish. Uh, you catch your bait with a draw net. You'll take that net and you know how to hold it just right. My daddy used to do it and I've seen daddy do it and he'd take that thing and he'd throw that net out there and then he'd pull that pull string and sometimes, man, he would bring in a great bounty of, of, of bait and so that net, that net speaks of being caught off guard, totally unawares. That's how you catch things in a net. You catch them unawares. And so the psalmist is praising God and glorifying God. And then he says, Lord, you caught us in a net. You laid affliction upon us. It was the Lord that brought it upon us. And so right in the middle of a praise session, I want to ask a question, why this negative? Here Hezekiah is, and he's just glorifying God and bragging on God and glorifying the Lord. And then right smack dab in the middle of a praise session, a negative, unless it's not a negative at all. Did you know the truth is, Calvary, sometimes God not only allows difficulty to come into our lives, but sometimes he brings it. Now, if you're not really, really grown in the Lord, that's a tough pill to swallow. If you're not really, really in tune with Jesus, if you're not really walking with God, that can be, that can be a tough one. In fact, it is the one that a lot of times that the devil uses to get people sideways with the Lord and to get them out of the will of God and, and to get them out of church because uh, God is great. God, God is wonderful. God is glorious. God, God is all those things that Hezekiah just said. He, he's our deliverer. He, he is, he, he's, he's awesome. He's an awesome God, but he's also very much a God of difficulty. And sometimes God, uh, and by the way, if difficulty comes into your life, it's because God allowed it to. And there are some times when God not only allows the difficulty to come in, y'all listening to me this morning, but there are times when a loving, heavenly father that loved you enough to give, you, give his own son for you, there are even times when that loving, heavenly father brings the difficulty into your life. Hey, can I give you a few thoughts real, real quickly this morning? How about this? Number one, God allows difficulty in survival. Sometimes life is the survival of the fittest. Now, what do you mean, pastor? I mean, life is tough. Life's just tough. And uh, man, that's why we enjoy worship at Calvary Baptist Church. 
This is not a sad place. This is a happy place. Man, if you're looking for sadness, just come go with me. We'll take you over to the hospitals and the nursing homes and, and the burn units and, uh, and the cancer wards and, and, uh, and, and, and come with us to the funeral homes and, and we'll show you places, the hospice house, and we'll show you places that are, are full of sadness. Uh, but it, it's, it's why we want this place to be encouraging and uplifting because, uh, boy, sometimes life can be tough. In fact, in Job chapter 14, verse number one, the Bible says it like this, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full, full of trouble. I don't just have some troubles. Job said, full of trouble. It's why the Bible says in John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. What's that saying? It's saying you're gonna have problems. Just because you get saved doesn't mean your issues are gonna go away. Doesn't mean your problems are gonna disappear. It's why our Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I feel like there's probably a few here this morning in this room and you say, Pastor, I am waiting for life to get easier. It has been so tough. It has been so difficult here lately and we've been walking through this valley. It seems like forever and I just keep waiting for it to get easier. And Pastor, it seems like it just never gets easier. You know why? Because God sometimes allows difficulty in survival. I'll tell you something else. God allows difficulty in Scripture. Did you know there are times? Did you know there are times? It's just hard to get something out of this book. And quite a few of you have come to me and you've said, Pastor, help me. I, I read it, but I don't get anything out of it. I need, I need something. I need some help. And I read this book and, 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 and you say, Pastor, I read it, but, but I don't get anything out of it. It's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It's why the Bible says in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. It's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 30, and Philip ran thither to him talking about the Ethiopian eunuch and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said understandest thou what thou readest and he said how can I except some man should guide me in other words there are just times where you say pastor why is it not easy when I, why can I not go every single day and get in this book and it just zings me. It just, I mean, it just, man, it just lights my fire. But you say, Pastor, it's not like that. I mean, every once in a while I'll read the Bible and man, it really speaks to me. But other days I go there and it just doesn't do anything for me. And I want to say real quickly, church, it's doing more for you than you know it's doing for you. So even when it doesn't seem to flip your switch or when it doesn't seem to light your fire, please understand that God has promised this book will never return void. But sometimes God allows difficulty in survival. Sometimes he allows difficulty in scripture. I'll tell you something else. Sometimes God allows difficulty in spirituality. Well, it's hard to be a spiritual Christian when everybody around you is living so carnal. You dear folks work in a secular, a secular field. And by the way, it doesn't matter which secular field. Some of you work in medical, doesn't matter. 
Some of you work in a factory. Others of you work in an office. And you know what? Sin is sin. And it's everywhere. And here you are trying to live for the Lord and, and it seems like you're around people that are just so carnal, sold under sin. And all you ever hear is profanity and all you ever hear is God's name taken in vain. And, and all you ever hear are dirty jokes and all you ever hear are uh, the church being made fun of and Christians being made fun of. And I thought about the song that J.B. Coates wrote and said this, living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Striving alone to face temptation sword. Where could I go but to the Lord? And I think one of the hard lessons to learn as a new Christian is, is this, that the world's not for you. <laughs> when you walk in on Monday morning and you say, hey, guess what? I got saved yesterday. And boy, they look at you funny. And they're like, you got what? I got saved. I became a Christian. Now, we may rejoice with you because we do. We're rooting for you. We're in your corner, but the world is not. And so when you tell the world, man, I got born again. Jesus is my savior. By the way, I'm not drinking anymore. Oh, yes, come on, good neighbor. I'm not planning on going out and you're drinking parties. I'm not planning on going out and doping with you. I'm not planning on going out and partying with you anymore. You see, I got born again. There's a new man inside. Jesus has come in. The Holy Ghost of God has come into my life. And as you begin to share that, but one of the first things that you realize is this, that the world's not for you. And they begin to exclude you from their crowds and they begin to make fun of you and they begin to mock you and they begin to point fingers at you. And somebody says, Pastor, why can't it be? Why can't it be easy? God allows difficulty in spirituality. How about this? And y'all know this is the case. God allows difficulty in society. Why does it seem sometimes it's so difficult to get along with people? <laughs> sometimes it's your own family. Sometimes it's your own family. And you say, Pastor, I mean... We try to keep the peace and it's like every time we get together to have a meal or family reunion, it's like, man, they want to stir something up. It's like they live to start something. I mean, they want to, they, they want to bring hurtful words. They, they want to bring up something that happened 23 years ago. And I mean, it's just like, uh, it's, it's just like preacher. I think I'm preaching to somebody this morning without a doubt. And, and, and you say, pastor, it is so difficult. Sometimes it may be your spouse. Sometimes you're having a hard time getting along with your wife or your husband. Other times it may be your church family. But God allows difficulty in society. So much so that the Bible gives us verses like Romans 12, 18. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And Colossians chapter three, verse number 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And Ephesians chapter six, verses one and two. Children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise. Why? I'll tell you why. Because it's not always easy to get along with your wife. And it's not always easy to get along with your husband. It's not always easy 
to get along with your church members, your, your, your family, or your, your spiritual family. At times there's difficulty, at times there's opposition, at times there's adversity. And somebody just says, somebody just throws their hands up and they say, uh, preacher, why doesn't God just make life easy? I mean, if God's all powerful and God's almighty and God's omnipotent, I mean, why doesn't God, if he really loves us, why doesn't God just make life easy? Why is God a God of difficulty? Why does a loving Lord allow difficult times to come into our lives? I'm about to tell you. Are you still at Psalm 66? I want you to find your place to verse number 11. Psalm 66, verse number 11. The psalmist said, thou brought us into the net. Thou latest affliction upon our loins. Verse 12, here it is, here it is. Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Oh, hang on, church. Because there's a colon right there. And then he said this, but. But thou brought us out into a wealthy place. That word wealthy place or the phrase wealthy place means this, it means satisfaction. Uh, thou brought us into a place of satisfaction. It means this, Calvary, uh, a wealthy place. It means a place of running over. Now y'all stay with me, we're about done, stay with me. So Hezekiah says, Lord, you're great. Lord, I'm gonna praise you, God. You're so wonderful. You're so awesome. You're so amazing. Man, we ought to sing about him. We ought to speak to him. We ought to, man, we ought to, we, we ought to laud him with praise. And then all of a sudden, Hezekiah says, and Lord, it was you that caught us up in that net. And it was you that, that laid affliction upon us. And somebody says, why is that? Why does God allow difficulty to come? Because God says, if you'll stay in there and you'll be faithful and you'll be committed, you can mark this down. One of these days, I'm gonna bring you out of the problem. I'm I'm gonna bring you out of the adversity. I'm gonna bring you out of the valley and I'm gonna bring you into a place that's running over. A place of satisfaction. What's that mean for me, pastor? It means this, that if you'll keep moving forward, even though things are tough, one of these days you're gonna be able to look back and say, I didn't quit. I didn't quit. I was tempted to, but I didn't quit. Satan tried to get me discouraged. The adversity came, the opposition came, the affliction came, the burden came, the valley. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I mean, the problems came and, and old smutty face came and he did his best to try to get me discouraged and he did his best to count me out and he did his best to, to kick me out of the ring. But I wanna tell you what, hallelujah, I wanted to quit. I was tempted to quit, but I didn't quit. I hung in there and I hung in there and I hung in there and guess what? God brought me through. Let me tell you something I do know about you today. You say, Pastor, you don't know anything about me. I know more than you, you know I know. I do know this. You're not gonna like yourself if you quit. Right. Amen. I enjoyed that so much, I think I'll say it again. You're not gonna like yourself if you quit. And by the way, you go ahead and fill in the excuse box. I quit for this reason. I quit for that reason. I quit for that, per that person. I quit because of that problem. I quit because of this affliction. 
I'm, I'm telling you what, you fill it in, but I'm just telling you that you're not going to like yourself when you quit. And somebody said, quitters never win, and winners never quit. This is what I'm saying. If you keep reading and studying God's word, even though you're having a difficult time, guess what's going to happen? When God gives you a great truth, you're going to appreciate it so much more. You're going to say, I didn't quit. And all of a sudden, God's going to, I mean, it's like the page is going to leap out. And you're going to be like, wow. Man, I'm the only preacher who's got truth like that. That's incredible. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you persevere in that relationship, even though things are difficult, that relationship you worked on will be so much sweeter. If you forgive that person that offended you, and move on. Your Christian life is going to prosper. Yep. You see, Calvary, God allows difficult times to make us better. Yes, to make us better, not bitter, better. Sometimes it's the problem. Sometimes it's the strain. Sometimes it's the valley that helps us grow. And it helps us, it helps us to, to, to grow and to persevere as a child of God. Long time. Long time since I've used this illustration. Long time. A missionary told the story about being on the mission field. And one day he went down to the river and there was a river that was full of current and uh, the water's rushing over the, over the rocks and, and he watched a native down there at the riverside looking for a place, going up and back, looking for a place, the best place to try to cross the river. And when that native found a spot that looked like a good spot, he he did this. He found a, a stone, a large stone in the river. He took that stone, he picked it up, picked it up a little bit more, finally got it up on his shoulder. And he got that stone. He got that stone fixed just, just right. And then, and only then, he stepped out into the river. And very carefully, he made his way all the way across. And when he got across, he took that stone and he laid that stone back down. That missionary came to him one day and he said, hey, he said, I was down at the river and he said, I saw you looking for a place to cross. And he said, man, I saw all those currents. And he said, I, he said, I watched you, 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 you got that stone. He said, that heavy stone, you put that stone on your shoulder and then you walked it. He said, what in the world? What, what, what kind of custom is that? And the native said, oh, sir, it's not a custom. He said, when I take that heavy stone and I put the weight of that heavy stone on me, it helps me stay stable in the current. And I'm able to walk across the river where I have a lot of problems. And there's some of you here this morning and, and problems have come and the valley has come and the storms have come and, and the devil has come and the devil says, man, that's not right. God's not fair. That preacher's telling a lie. You ought to just quit. You ought to just quit. You ought to just quit. No, no, no. What you ought to do is take that stone and put it up there and say, God, thank you for giving me the stone because I know it's gonna help me get through the valleys of life and the storms of life. I wanna tell you what, God not only allows the difficulty, sometimes he brings it. Oh, yes. Boy, if nobody else is having a good time, I'm having a ball today. Dr. Jack Howells used to say it like this. 
God doesn't give us strength for our burden. God gives us strength by our burden. God doesn't give us strength for our burden. God gives us strength by our burden. We have a few here today. You know what this is all about. Some of you go to the Y, some of you go to Planet Fitness. Some of you go to your gym of choice. And there's a few of you who work out and exercise and pump iron, barbells, dumbbells. You're all the time trying to increase that weight just a little bit more, a little bit more. And you're faithful. Several days out of the week, you're faithful to go to that gym and lift those weights, pump that iron, pump that iron, run on that treadmill, do that elliptical. Here, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Did you know that they tell us that as you're working out, you know what happens? It breaks down the muscles. As you're working out, as you're running, as you're climbing on that elliptical, it breaks down the muscles. But hang on. Hang on. Because guess what happens? After a little while, those muscles begin to recover. And they begin to repair. And experts tell us that after that workout, although it broke down those muscles, a little bit later, those muscles are going to be stronger than they were before. You know why God allows difficulty to come into your life, problems, burdens, opposition, adversity, valley, sickness? Because he hates me. Oh, no. No, the Bible says he pities you like a father pities his children. He doesn't do it because he hates you. He does it because he loves you. And he knows that just for a little while, those spiritual muscles may get a little broken down. But he also knows after a while, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be stronger than you ever were. You see, sometimes it's the storm that reveals the treasure. Would y'all mind if I use an old illustration that you've heard many times? Off the coast of Costa Rica, there's a little island called Cocos Island. Cocos Island, 342 miles off the coast of Costa Rica. Cocos, C-O-C-O. Coco's Island. And for years and years, people felt like that this would be a place that would be absolutely perfect for pirates to hide their booty, you know, to hide their bounty, their, their treasure, their hidden treasure. And so for years, people would go to Coco's Island and they would dig and, and they searched for hidden treasures and that went on for years and years and years and years and nobody ever found the first treasure. Nobody did. But not long ago, there was a storm. The storm of all storms. And man, it plummeted through Cocos Island. The next day after the weather cleared, some of the park rangers went out to bird refuge as well. And they began to go out and check the bird refuge and to see what all the damage 
what all damage had been done. And as one of the park rangers was walking down the beach, he noticed that there was a box uncovered on the beach, partially uncovered. He went over to the beach and he began to look and he began to dig around the box. It's odd looking and he dug around the box and he found another box and then another box and another box and another box. Five altogether. And this is what they said. That park ranger found what was one of the greatest modern day treasure finds in history. When they counted it all out, it was worth over $200 million. Now, preacher, what's that, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? And this is it. A storm uncovered great treasure. And if you're not careful, you'll start going through a storm and the enemy will come and he'll say, well, I just quit. And what you need to say to the enemy is, enemy, I plead the blood of Jesus, you get away from me. Because I have a great God. But he is a great God of difficulty. And sometimes he allows the weights and sometimes he allows the stones to come into my life, but he does it because he wants me to be better and not to be bitter. Would you bow your heads with me all around the house today? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder, anybody here this morning going through a storm? Maybe there's somebody here today and you say, Pastor, I can't believe you preached this. I can't believe you preached this. I've been going through a horrific storm in my life, a burden, a valley. And the devil has come. The devil's tried his best to to get me to quit. And I want to encourage you today, whatever you do, don't quit on God. Stay with it. Stay with it. God's got major, huge, colossal, gigantic plans for your life. I'm going to ask a few questions. We're not going to prolong the invitation, but I want to ask this. Number one, how many here today would say, Pastor, if I died, if I died right now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven and I can honestly raise my hand as a testament to that. You'd slip your hand up. Preacher, I know that I am saved. You may lower your hands. Thank you. Can I ask the second question though? And I'll make you a promise. I'm not going to come back and try to get you or try to drag you down an aisle. We don't do that at Calvary. But I would like to pray. And I'd like to pray for you. Pastor, if I died today, I am not sure that I would go to heaven. Pastor, I'm sure I want to go but I'm not sure I would go. I'm not sure of my salvation. And I care enough to at least slip my hand up and let you pray for me this morning. Right now, you'd slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me, remember me. I see that hand. Is there another? Come on, let's be honest this morning. Pastor, 
If I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Can I pray for you? Just raise it high so I don't miss you. And just wave it at me. I see that hand. Is there another here this morning? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? When you raise it up, just sort of wave it at me so I don't miss you. Come on, let's be honest this morning. Let's be honest. I see that hand. Is there another? Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure of heaven. I want you to pray for me. Please, slip your hand up real quickly. Come on, real quickly. Do it, do it fast so I can pray for you. Anybody else? Just wave it at me so I don't miss you, okay? I see that hand. I'm going to ask our altar workers to just very quietly make their way to the front this morning if they would. With heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking, I want to ask another question. How many are here today and you'd say, Brother Pope, I am saved. I've already raised my hand about that, but you didn't know this, but I'm going through the storm of all storms. I don't know what we're going to do. I need prayer. Man, I need some serious prayer. And right now, you'd slip your hand up. Let me pray with you right now. Wow, 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 wow. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. They're all over the place. Who else? Pastor, I'm going through a a valley right now. I need prayer. You'd slip your hand up. Preacher, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Amen. 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 Would you do this for me today, church? Would you stand with us all over the house very quietly? Father, I thank you for your blessings and for the privilege to be at Calvary today. God, I pray that you'd work in the invitation today. Lord, I feel like it could be there's somebody here today that feels like If something doesn't happen, they're not going to make it another day. I pray that they'll come. And God, we'd like to covenant with them in prayer today. We'd like to walk through this valley with them. God, maybe, Lord, there's someone that needs to rededicate their life to Jesus Christ. They are saved, but they've wandered away from the will of God And today, they need to walk the aisle and come and say, I'm coming back to God. I'm rededicating my life to Jesus today. I'm doing it today. Lord, maybe there are those that are not the members of good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches, and you're leading them to join. I pray that you direct them today. But Lord, most of all, I pray for these that raise their hands and say that they are not sure of heaven. They're not sure of their salvation. Father, I pray in just a moment that you'd give them courage to step out and to make their way to the front. And we would like to take a Bible and show them how they can know. We won't make them give a speech. We won't make them do anything like that. We just want to try to take the Bible and show them how they can know Jesus Christ as personal Savior. So Lord, please have your way now. Have your way. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.
The altars are full. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not sure of heaven, I want you to slip out right now. We've got some fellas across the front here, and we would like to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. I want you to come. Would you come? If you raised your hand, would you come? We'll be glad to get a lady to deal with ladies. But would you come while we wait? Would you come? Pastor, I am saved. But that storm you talked about on that island, man, I feel like I'm on that island right now and I feel like I'm on a desert island. Hey, why don't you come? God's got your breakthrough waiting for you right here. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Oh, yes, yes. We're gonna pause just for a few moments and you come today while we wait, while we wait. Come on, come on. You say, preacher, these aisles seem like they're about, that, they're about three miles long. I get it. I'll tell you this, though. If you'll ask the person to come beside you, I guarantee they'll come. Just say, hey, would you go with me? Would you go with me? They'll come. Would you come? are still coming. I promise you something. We won't prolong the service any more than we have to. But while the Holy Spirit is working, we will let Him have liberty to work today. If you need to come, altars are open. Folks are still responding. Can we take the Bible and show you how to know Jesus as personal Savior? Can we pray with you about that burden? we do that if you're watching by way of live stream today we're so glad to have you tuning into the broadcast you may not even be watching from this state you may be watching from another state and if you're watching today and you don't know Christ as Savior I want you to do me a favor there's a, there's a number on the bottom of your screen I want you to reach for your phone right now I want you to call that number and we have some folks that are waiting they are waiting by the phone to take your call. And they want to pray with you right now. And so if you're watching today by way of live stream, would you call? 704-327-5662. Call that number right now. And we have some folks that are just waiting. They're waiting to, to, to pray with you. If you're watching this broadcast and and you have a heavy burden and you say, Pastor, I don't think I can make it another day. I want you to call because we want to pray with you. And we want to claim the blessings of the Lord with you. Will you call? Will you call? Father, I do pray that you'll work in hearts right now as folks are getting help. I know this isn't normal normal church service we never set out to have normal church services in fact to be quite honest 
we're not really interested in normal church services. And so, Heavenly Father, we're not asking for natural. We're asking for supernatural. Natural can, a man can come into a natural service and leave the way he came. A man can come into a supernatural service and leave different. And I pray that will happen today. Father, it could be there's somebody here today that has a, a burden came and they got bitter against God or they got bitter against a person. And Lord, today I pray that you'd help them to resolve that bitterness. Lord, to get it confessed, to get it under the blood, to go out of this place free. Heavenly Father, do that which only thou canst. Continue to work in hearts, please. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to sing here in just a minute.